Assalamualaikum, I'm Sister Nazi, and your host for today's Did You Know? Did you know that many of our founding fathers did not believe or at least doubted that Jesus is the Son of God? The very thing that defines Christianity is to accept Jesus as the Son of God. Sacrifice is the Savior of his followers and the only ticket to heaven in the afterlife. Yet, Benjamin Franklin stated in his creed that he doubted that Jesus is the Son of God, and even George Washington refused to give communion when he was asked. The founding father most outspoken about his opposition to the belief in the Trinity was Thomas Jefferson. In the 1700s, children of wealthy families began their education at home on their farm with private tutors. All they learned were languages like Latin and Greek so that they could learn to study the Bible in the languages in which it was originally written. Nine of ten of the first presidents of the U.S. were proficient in more than one language, usually Greek or Latin. Jefferson was no exception. In fact, he knew about six languages and used his knowledge of these languages to analyze the Bible. As a result, he became convinced that Jesus never meant for his followers to see him as God's son. Thomas Jefferson was a lawyer and saw religion as a source of all law that could bring civility to humanity. However, he was also a pioneer in establishing religious freedom. He was so proud of passing Virginia's statute of religious freedom in 1786 that he asked that the act be listed as one of three of his greatest accomplishments on his epitaph the other two being the author of the Declaration of Independence and the founder of the University of Virginia. From the debate over the Freedom of Religion Act, it is clear that Thomas Jefferson saw America as a country where it would be possible for even a Muslim to become president. He was so interested in Islam that he purchased a Quran when he was only a young man studying law at the William and Mary College. His volume of the Quran sat in his prized library with his handwritten notes in the margins until he sold it along with the other books in his library to the Library of Congress to replace the books that the British had burned in the War of 1812. Over the years, people who agree with Thomas Jefferson wrote their own version of the Bible. They call themselves humanists and attend Unitarian churches. They believe they are following in the footsteps of Thomas Jefferson in denying that Jesus is the Son of God or that his sacrifice is the only way to heaven. Today, Jefferson's Bible is still sitting in the Library of Congress. Did you know? Did you know? Now you know. Did you know with Sister Nazi will be right back. Green Vine Market is a new international halal store located near downtown Plano by 18th Street and K Avenue. They have a vast assortment of exotic groceries and bulk goods, fresh produce selection, halal meat shop, kitchen, and bakery cafe. For more information, check out greenvinemarket.com or find them on Google Maps and Yelp. And now back to Did You Know? Assalamualaikum, Sister Nazi here with another Did You Know? Did you know that the United States Bill of Rights is the result of a heated debate about the hypothetical Muslim president? Our founding fathers were absolutely thinking about Muslims when they debated the extent of freedom of religion. The first such debate took place in 1786 over the passage of Thomas Jefferson's Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom. Americans debated the law for three months 
realizing that they were creating a narrative that would set them apart from their British oppressors. Opponents of Jefferson's law wrote letters to the Virginia Gazette arguing that the law would allow atheists, Muslims, and Jews to hold office. Proponents of the law also wrote that they were not against establishing Christianity, but that Christianity, quote, may be placed with equal proprietary for establishing the tenets of Muhammad by those who believe in the Quran, unquote. Jefferson was so proud of the passage of the Religious Freedom Statute that he asked to be listed on his epitaph as one of his three greatest accomplishments. For 11 years between the signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776 and the writing of the U.S. Constitution in 1787, states governed themselves essentially absent of a federal government. As a result, two parties, the Federalists, are those in favor of a centralized federal government, and the Anti-Federalists, those in favor of states' rights, were born. After writing the Constitution, the Founding Fathers approached each state to ratify it. In the summer of 1788, representatives from 59 boroughs met at the Hillsborough Convention to debate North Carolina's ratification of the Constitution. Central to the debate was the stipulation of the addition of a Bill of Rights to ensure state rights, but the Anti-Federalists also wanted a religion test. They expressed their greatest fears in the debate that without a religion test, even a Muslim could be president. However, 11 states had already agreed to ratify the Constitution, and the pressure was on North Carolina to join them. As a result, North Carolina became the 12th state of the Union, and the Bill of Rights was born without a religion test. The debate stood its test years later in 2015, when Ben Carson commented that he would not advocate putting a Muslim in charge of this nation. Later, when confronted about the unconstitutional nature of his comment, he replied that he agreed a Muslim could be president so long as the Muslim would denounce Sharia law. He failed to realize that the framers of our Constitution had already debated this very topic and agreed that no religion test should be used to elect our state officials. Today, American Muslim children can look forward to the day when they too can have the opportunity to be president. Did you know? Did you know now? You know. Did you know? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. This program is produced by Muslim Radio Network and is made possible with your generous support. Please make your tax-deductible donation on muslimradionetwork.org. Now let's hear one more Did You Know from Sister Nazi. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Nazi here with another Did You Know. Did you know that U.S. lawyers regard Islam as one of the greatest sources of law? There are several symbols of high regard for Islamic law depicted in American law institutions. The first is in the very hallway of Harvard Law School's faculty library, which welcomes visitors on their tour of the university. On the wall are three quotes. One is from the Magna Carta, one is from St. Augustine, and one is from the Holy Quran, chapter 4, verses 135 and 136. These verses say, O you who believe, stand out firmly for justice as witnesses to Allah, even as against yourselves, or your parents, or your kin, and whether it be against rich or poor, for Allah can protect both. Faculty of the University explain that the Words of Justice exhibition is a testimony of the endurance of humanity's yearning for fairness and dignity through law. 
and that the words affirm the power of the irrepressibility of the idea of justice. The second place that Islam appears as a symbol of a source of American law is at the Supreme Court. Perched above the press seating area of the Supreme Court chamber is a sculpture in frieze of over a dozen great lawgivers in history. Among them is a depiction of a man referred to by the artist as Muhammad Sosam holding the Quran. He stands among others such as Moses, Confucius, and Napoleon. In 1997, some Muslims began to insist that the face of the sculptured frieze be sandblasted because of the strong tradition in Islam to honor the Prophet Muhammad by not depicting images of him. However, the matter was put to rest when a fatwa by Sheikh Taha Jabir al-Ahwani concluded that the Supreme Court deserves nothing but appreciation and gratitude from American Muslims as shown by this positive gesture. Although the Supreme Court statue continues to remain untouched, another statue that represented Islam's influence on American law was removed from the top of the Manhattan Appellate Court in New York because of insistence from Muslims not to display statues of Prophet Muhammad Islam. On April 9, 1955, the New York Times published an article that read, Muhammad quits pedestal here on Muslim plea after 50 years. The eight-foot-tall marble statue of the prophet pictured as a bearded man with a turban had stood among other great lawgivers such as Zoroaster and Justonian. But when it came time for the building to be renovated, the statue was quietly removed and placed in storage. As you can see from these examples, it's no wonder that Thomas Jefferson purchased a copy of the Quran when he began attending law school at William and Mary College. So to all those who claim that Islam has no place in America, these examples are perfect proof of the contrary. Did you know? Did you know? Now you know. Muslim.